You're listening to Paranormal Portal on Revolver Podcasts. everybody welcome to the paranormal portal podcast i hope you guys are having a wonderful night and thank you so much for tuning in and supporting all that we're doing here on the podcast it's uh been amazing you guys have been amazing out there uh checking us out and subscribing and downloading and um it's just a real real pleasure uh of course i'm your host brent thomas this is the paranormal portal podcast and uh once again special thanks to revolver podcast for making all this possible We'll get to some of this crazy ghostly encounters that uh, always perpetuate our night terrors. I've got stories for you. I hope you're ready to be entertained because I'm going to do my best to entertain you. And uh, we'll get rolling here on the first one. Uh, it's, I don't know. I, again, I haven't pre-screened these, so we'll see what it is. But it has to do with demons, uh, so it says by the title. But it comes from New Jersey. The person obviously thinks they, they could be dealing with a demon. So let's see what it says. It says, some of you have asked me about a demon experience, so I'll post it. It was back in 2007 in Pennington, New Jersey. And I was about 13 or 14 years old back then. And I can't remember the exact date. It was late, around 1 a.m. or so. I'd just gone to the bathroom and then back to my room. I got in bed, snuggled up under my blanket. But I tried to sleep but couldn't seem to fall asleep. Those are the worst nights when you're tired but you can't sleep. That's horrible. Um, Excuse me. Something was keeping me up and I didn't know what. I had an odd feeling, though. Something in the back of my mind was nagging at me. That something just wasn't right. But I just finally ignored it and did finally eventually fall asleep. An hour later, my eyes shot open. 
And suddenly, I saw something out of the corner of my eye coming out of the blinds of my window. I sat up and looked towards it and stared in shock. There was a hand reaching out to me. I automatically thought, there's a demon in my room. I thought that because of movies I've watched and stories I've read, it was a bit hard to see in the dark, and the only light was from the dim nightlight by my computer. From the looks of it, it was dark green and, and scaly. The arm was very skinny, almost like a twig, and it had three really long fingers that had long yellow nails that looked like they had fungus all over them. Well, I wanted to scream, but I just couldn't. I was just too shocked. I jumped up out of my bed and ran to my parents' bedroom, and I climbed on their bed and snuggled up to my mom, telling myself it wasn't real. While snuggling up to her, I felt something dark enter the room. I figured it had followed me and started saying a prayer in my mind and started whispering it, and my, my mom woke up and found me crying, and then suddenly it vanished. I told her I thought I was crazy, and she assured me that I wasn't. The house is a duplex. It's really old. How old, I'm really not sure. It was built sometime in the mid-1900s, I believe, though. I'm glad we finally left that, that house in the summer of 2008. Many things happened there that made me believe that I really was crazy. Thankfully, they did not follow. I believe that they are trapped in that house, though, and although I feel bad for the people who live there now, because they do have a toddler. So here's the thing, and, and I, I understand, and it's something we, we talk about quite a bit, but again, the term demon gets thrown around really easily and, and cheaply. <clears throat> and uh, the thing is, is just because it's scary, just because it may seem dark and it might seem twisted does not necessarily qualify it as a demonic, um, you know, demonic entity. Um, it's really kind of hard to tell. And, but I will tell you that I really firmly, firmly believe that if it's a demon, you're not going to know it until it's really late in the game. Like demons don't want you to know that they're there. They don't want to raise any red flags for you to fight back. Uh, if it really is a demon, in most cases, let's say that, that the end game is possession, which generally it seems that, you know, involving demons it is. They don't want you to, to get scared and, and to try to mount any kind of defense. A, a demon's game is all about corruption. It's all about twisting things and perverting them. And to, to make you feel like you're not in control and, and maybe that you're changing or that everyone around you is changing. And, and it, it really is, it's a, it's a chess match. A demonic encounter generally is not where your couch flips over and there's some horned being standing there, you know, growling at you and then charging you and, and trying to freak you out. I mean, it, it can be that way. I'm not saying that it can't. But generally speaking, a, a demon doesn't want you to realize it's there until it's already very much in control of a situation or at least embedded in a situation. Um, I don't know how it works, but it seems to, there seems to be an implication that a demon can't just enter a house and just, boom, take control. 
they have to exert themselves through a, a, a period of surrenders into a state of control in a situation. And they do that by oppression, by, by dark moods and, and, and feelings of hopelessness. And they seem to be able to project that onto people. And over a period of time, people lose hope. They lose their will to fight back. And it's this, this corruption. It's a game of corruption and surrender. And, and they don't want you to realize that they're there until they're very much a problem. And even then, you know, they most of the time, you know, I guess they're, they're eventually probably going to be found out. But, you know, for the most part, maybe not. I, I think there are asylums full of people that are dealing with possession rather than mental illness. Um, and, and to differentiate between the two, I, I can't imagine how incredibly complex that would be. But the point being is that if it is a demon and it really is working on taking over somebody, it's not going to appear and give you a dark feeling and then reach out with a clawed hand. Now, there are other things. There are many other things out there that exist spiritually and, and they may need our fear. They seem to, there are some things that need our fear. And I don't think a demon is one of them, to be honest with you. I don't think that demons are one of those that subsist on that because they subsist on the corruption. But there are other things out there that need you to be afraid. That, that energy that, that, we, that we emit when we're afraid is what they subsist on or they seem to survive on. And what are these things? Well, they've got a lot of different names and you know it doesn't really matter. Some, some people call them shadow beings. Some call them uh, other things. Um, but they're, they're, they seem to want people to be afraid because that is, that energy is what they crave and that's what keeps them going. Um, they also may actually survive on the life force of people, um, by drawing it out. A lot of times, very small children and, uh, very old people are targets of these other kind of entities as well. But, um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying it couldn't be a demon. But that's my understanding. That's, this, is, this is where I've come to in my research about these things, is that generally a demon won't let you know it's there until the battle is almost already over. And that's scary. And that's why exorcisms are so powerful. And that's also why they're not always successful, is because the, by the time that people can you know, organize that kind of a resistance, it's already very late in the game. And so... Um, but that's just my two cents. I, again, I don't pretend to be an expert, but that's what makes sense to me. So uh, it's, it's, an, it's a horrible, horrible thing. But, you know, I, I think people use that, that phrase so, so quickly, demon, 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 demon. You know, and it's, you know, a demon is truly a terrifying thing. And I'm not saying that you should be afraid of it, but it, it's certainly not something to take lightly and to throw that around cheaply because... A real demonic presence is going to be a hell of a battle. And for all of the people that run around talking about how they confront demons, I don't think they do. And I, and I, don't, I don't believe that it, nearly as many of them that say they do actually do because these are, these are seriously potent and uh, incredibly... I, I, don't, I don't want to use the word powerful because there is certainly... Uh, a, the divine light, the, the, the goodness in the universe is, is much more powerful. But my point is, is that they should, they, it should be at least not used cheaply, I guess is my point. I don't know if I'm saying it right or not. 
<clears throat> All right, but anyway, that's my opinion. I don't know for sure that what that person was dealing with is a demon. Again, I can't know, but I can just tell you what I think. And that's what the show's all about. And if you have another idea about that, please let me know. Because I don't have to be right. We just have to have a discussion. Okay, everybody, I think it's time we got to take a break. So don't go away and we'll be right back with more of the Paranormal Portal podcast in just a couple minutes. Hey guys, Brent Thomas here of the Paranormal Portal Podcast. We just wanted to take a moment to introduce you to the Paranormal Portal store. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, leggings, stickers, mugs, you name it, you might find it over there. So head on over to teespring.com slash stores slash paranormal dash portal and you too can help fund the Paranormal Portal Podcast. Thank you so much for all that you do and thank you for being a part of our Paranormal Portal family. everybody and we're back and we're back at it here on the paranormal portal podcast buckle up we're going in so uh the next one is coming from pennsylvania and this one has to do with old hags night attacks and sleep paralysis and these are probably my least favorite of stories because they seem very repetitive but um you know they happen I've experienced it, so I, I understand the phenomena, but it's still, you know, it's there. There, this is probably one of the more common kind of uh, um, encounters people have paranormally, is night 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 terrors, or um, night attacks or sleep paralysis. All right, so let's get into this one. It's coming from Pennsylvania. It says, "I posted about a little girl in my house, and some of you might have read it, but since then I've moved out and gone to college in Pittsburgh." I have a small apartment with one roommate and my girlfriend. Now here's where I get confused. One night, my roommate, our friend from class, and I sat up one night talking about different ghostly encounters that we had in the past. My roommate has a story of when he was younger, and he stayed with his aunt in her house. And when he rolled over in bed with his hand laying off the bed he felt something pull on his hand very violently as if we were trying to get him completely out of the bed. My friend's story had to do with being at his old house before he moved down here to Pittsburgh. He would sometimes fall asleep on the couch and find things in the living room were moved around phone, ashtray or all kinds of other things. My girlfriend stays with me every night, except one night Last weekend, she didn't stay with me. And as I went to bed, I felt uneasy, like I I really wasn't alone, but I knew she wasn't there. The next morning, I woke up and I had scratches on my left leg, and in the living room of my apartment, the ashtrays were in the kitchen. They are never in the kitchen. 
The cabinet doors were open and the heat was turned up really high. I want to think that this is all a coincidence, but somehow think that the little girl I posted about in the past was somehow angry that I had a girlfriend now. And the first night I was alone, she wanted to tell me she was angry about it. And I don't know what to think of this. Jealous spirits. Yeah, I suppose. If they, uh, if they become super attached and I don't know, I guess it's, again, spirits are, are the same as people uh, without bodies, but at least the, the formerly human ones are anyway. But, you know, sure, they could be dealing with jealousy. They could become attached that way and uh, have a hard time dealing with change. So that's, <laughs> that's pretty terrible. You don't want a jealous ghost. Eesh. That would be a little, that'd be a little tough to, <laughs> to deal with. All right, the next one is coming from Michigan, and this has to do with haunted places. I'm currently caretaking a house up in northern peninsula of Michigan. Being there for over two years now, I've found nothing really out of the ordinary until about six months ago. It just starts with the simple flickers of lights and my cats staring at empty corners in the ceiling. It's interesting to see all three of their heads look all at once and focus. The cats never do seem frightened, so I always told myself it was just a bug or some dust or something. The house is roughly 30 years old and hasn't had much work done to it since it was built, so the electrical issue was based on the age of the house. Then last winter, when things began to get strange, I was woken up to what I thought was a radio going off in one of the rooms static sound and talking and looking at the clock it was roughly three in the morning and being that i had to be up in just a couple of hours i was a little bit upset well i searched everywhere from the basement to the to my daughter's room and found none of them on eventually it sounded as if all the sounds just faded away making me think that the battery may have just died i didn't think about this for a week and after the incident that is until the same thing happened again. At the same time in the middle of the night, 3 a.m. This time I heard the voices, a man and a woman, whispering through the static. Still determined it was a radio alarm going off, I went into the attic in the middle of the night, such as those young females do in cheesy horror flicks, mentally driven to enter what was their future resting place and found absolutely nothing. Again, over a short period of 15 minutes or so, the, the sounds just faded away. I only began to get scared when my daughter began having night terrors, or at least I thought that's what it was. The first time was when my boyfriend was over one night. Her, her wails were so brutal, it was as if she broke her leg or badly cut herself. My motherly instinct kicked in, and my heart was racing as I jumped out of bed and ran as fast as I could to her. Well, she's only four years old, and each time this happened, she kept telling me uh, her room, telling me her room in the shadows gives her bad dreams. My boyfriend said it might just be an excuse for her to crawl in bed with me. I was breaking her of that habit, and again, I just let it go. Eventually, her screams at night stopped, at least for a little while. 
I only began to believe when my boyfriend was alone in that house one night and he said he fell asleep on the couch, only waking to the sound of a man saying, where's Amy? At first he thought it was his imagination because my name was Amy. And then he heard the basement door slam shut, footsteps quickly scurrying down the basement stairs, and then silence. Now that's creepy. He ran outside to catch what he thought might be me pranking him or another person such as his friend playing games, but I live in the middle of nowhere. There were no cars on site or even a car's headlights nearby. Nothing can keep him from wondering if what I was telling him was true. I began hearing women and men afterwards talking. It could be either day or night, and I never could understand what they said. I heard laughing, crying, a different languages. It was causing me to lose sleep, and however, I was under a lot of stress at the time and even set up an appointment with my doctor because I thought maybe the stress was just causing me to hear and see things. I also began to have strange dreams. I once had a dream my mom called me. When I picked up the phone and glanced at the clock, noticing it was 7 in the morning, she told me my uncle had died. And then when I woke from that dream, the phone was ringing, and as I picked it up, looked at the clock, it was 7 in the morning. However, it was just my daughter's daycare provider telling me that her mother died. Other incidents follow in a span of two weeks, and deja vu still hits, still hits me on an almost daily basis. Sometimes I even react to something before they tell me to do it. Then after my first incident with strange dreams, I saw the apparition of a man in my front window. I remember bright red, too, and I felt as if I was supposed to keep that in mind. In those brief seconds, he spoke. But I had no idea what he said. I was just too frightened to even try to comprehend what he said. However, after all of this, I'm still in that house. Again, there's silence in my home. However, I'm having a terrible time keeping my daughter in her room. Lately, she's either with me or in the room next door to me, with her lights on, and she still keeps bringing up bad dreams. My boyfriend is antsy at my house, too. I don't fear this ghost or these ghosts or whatever it is, but I feel as if he or they are trying to warn me or tell me something. So, with keeping my eyes and ears wide open, I'm going to find out. I'll keep you updated. That's terrible. Yeah. That is really wild. There's a, there's a second story here that is attributed to the same author. So let me pull this one up and, and uh, we can read it. Okay, everybody. I think it's time we got to take a break. So don't go away and we'll be right back with more of the Paranormal Portal podcast in just a couple minutes. everybody and we're back and we're back at it here on the paranormal portal podcast buckle up we're going in 
So this is a follow-up story, and maybe it has more information since, you know, it's a very interesting story. So I posted a story before about a house that was being haunted by an old man and entities that I, that I was unaware of. And I also mentioned that my daughter's seeing things and possibly shadow people, and I've since moved to a different town. My parents moved back into their house and have had no paranormal experiences since I left. My daughter loves her new room, and I have not had any issues like I did at that house that I was caretaking for. However, a week ago, I was awoken from a blood-curdling scream from my daughter's room. My daughter does tend to fall out of her bed at night, so I thought maybe this time she hurt herself by falling on a toy. My daughter does suffer from night terrors too, however, I entered the room only to find her sitting up, facing the door, shivering recklessly with her arms out for me to get her. I asked her what's wrong, and she said one of her pencil erasers that she got for Christmas smacked her in the head. Then she said someone was tickling her feet, and she hates her feet covered when she sleeps. And she also mentioned that a woman in the doorway talked to her but couldn't tell what she was saying because she just talked too fast. She also said the lady heard me coming and disappeared. She also mentioned of the lady having something on her face like a mask. I didn't understand what she was describing and I slept with her the rest of the night and after this incident, she still sleeps in her room and has been sleeping through the night with no problems. It was like she was afraid at first, but then not after thinking about it. The lady in the doorway didn't seem to threaten her. My boyfriend has been talking in his sleep a lot, too. He yells things out about war, and I don't know why he dreams about war, because he's against it. My boyfriend is what I call a hippie. He doesn't use drugs. One time he jerked around in bed yelling, Where the hell is the rest of the infantry? or something of that sort, and he says it could be from movies that he's watched, which may be true. There's another odd thing about the house that happened. My boyfriend bought it over a year ago from a lady who was waiting for an organ transplant, and her boyfriend died a few years before, and he left the house to her. She was a chain smoker and had an oxygen tank too, and when my boyfriend moved in, He had to leave the windows open for two days to get rid of the smell, and we still get streak marks in the bathroom after showers from the leftover nicotine residue. However, shortly after I moved in, which was last May, a man came to our door asking who the new owner of the house was. He mentioned of the lady's death, and she died not even two weeks after my boyfriend moved in, and they were planning a memorial service. The house is only 15 years old and has all new appliances. And we, may not, we have not had any issues other than fuses being blown on occasion. However, we do get cold spots. But we brush these off as being poorly insulated house. And some of this is kind of scary, being what I went through before. But this time, I don't feel threatened or as my family or I will be harmed. I'm beginning to wonder if I'm a sensitive and if my daughter can literally see dead people. 
you know, that was the same thing I was thinking. That's the end of the story. But um, generally, it seems that the people that have a lot of experiences with the paranormal, especially spiritual experiences, um, do tend to be sensitive. They tend to, to be naturally psychic. And it, that same thing is known to be uh, a trait of bloodlines. So if you have sensitives, sensitives or psychics in your family, chances are you have some, you know, some ability as well. Um, but, you know, it's, it just seems to almost be a genetic thing uh, that maybe it's the, that that switch is more turned on in, in certain family groups. And I think, I think everybody can be, I'm not meaning to, to state that only some people can be psychic and everyone else is screwed. That's not, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying at all. I think we all can be, we probably all are and have experiences to that nature. I think probably everybody does, but some people just seem to be more dialed in all the time than others. And, and I think that that is a trait of, of families and, you know, for whatever reason. But, yeah, I, I, I was thinking the same thing about this mother and daughters that perhaps they are, they are sensitive. And for as much as they've experienced in two different homes, two very different kinds of, uh, uh, I wouldn't say hauntings, but presences, it would stand a reason that they are dealing with some, some at least latent sensitivity. Maybe they know about it, maybe they don't. But um, that seems to be what they're going through. I don't know what it is about the sensitives, but the spirits just pick up on that. They just, it's like a beacon. I don't know if these people have that aura and the spirits can just tell, Ooh, they can hear me. I can tell them my story. I can tell them what happened and, and get some closure here. And, and it's hard to know. And, and unfortunately, I, you know, I think the hardest thing is not being able to decipher those things. Like she heard that whispering and those talking has no idea what is what it was saying. And I've shared this on the st- on the show before, but when I was young, I was probably 8 or 9 years old, I had a had a fever of like 104. And I I was <laughs> dealing with something, but I, I woke up in the night and there was a man and a woman talking. And it was as plain as I'm talking to you right now. The there was no subtlety to the voices. It was like there were two people in my room with me having a conversation. But none of the words were decipherable. And they were delivered just matter-of-factly. It wasn't like there was some kind of heated exchange or some kind of... It was just conversation. But there wasn't a word in everything that they said. As I listened to them for several minutes, there wasn't one word that I understood. And, and my house doesn't have any history of that. Now, I do, I do attribute that to the fever. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say that I had a psychic experience. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but um, I, I, I attribute that to the fever because I've never experienced that since in all of the rest of the years I've been alive, but I did experience it then. I understand what it's like to hear people talking and have no concept of what the hell they're saying. And it's actually kind of maddening because you can, you can hear them. You can have the, they are right there having a conversation but it was, it was it, they, they were, could have been speaking any other language. And at that age, I wouldn't have known anyway. I mean, I had no uh, exposure to other languages in my, in my early childhood. So they were just making sounds that sounded like words. But what they were saying, I have no idea. Uh, it was really strange. And so when I read stories like this, I understand how, how odd that is. Because you'd think, well, could you pick up some kind of meaning? 
but it was just sounds, complex sounds of syllables and, and vowels and consonants all coming together, and, and it, was, it was just sound. But it was a conversation. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I've always envied that, actually, that, that ability to hear those things, and, you know, it's not, not happened again. If I pick up anything, it's just, you know, these vibes, mostly. I just pick up vibes, I guess, if I pick up anything. And if it's some form of empathy or whatever, you, you can be the judge of that. I don't know. It's just another label. But um, I think we're all, we all have that ability. We all have the ability. And, and again, I really do believe that people, people, probably everybody has had some experience with some sort of precognition or just knowing something was coming that doesn't logically make sense. And so I think that it's a, it's a trait of all of us. It's just some of us just happen to be more tuned into that uh, naturally. And that, again, could be a gift of a bloodline. It could be some event in your life that happened that might have triggered that awareness. Uh, I know that people that have NDEs oftentimes come back with uh, a much more heightened psychic awareness than, than before. And that stands to reason because you've had a foot, foot in two worlds. You've been exposed to a whole different uh, type of existence. So that doesn't surprise me. But anyway, let's go to the next story. And this one is coming from Kentucky. All right. This has to do with family and friends visits. My, bro my brother died February 26th of 2008. He was paralyzed. After I got through the funeral, of course, I missed him. How could I not? But there is also the intense desire just to hear his voice again. It was like that for all of us in the family, so I checked my answering machine and my parents' answering machine, just hoping one of us had his voice on it. But no, he wasn't on either of anyone else's in the family, so ever since he died, even now, there isn't a day that goes by when I don't think of him. I used to at first hope when I was going to bed or at least dream about him, but after a while I just gave up even on that. I guess my brother had been gone about six months when after having given up on dreaming about him, I dreamt about him two nights in a row. First night I dreamt, I had a picture of him standing in the field. Full of long grass, he was standing in the field, staring straight ahead. Not at whoever was taking the picture, but there was an old wooden woodmill off to his right behind him, and that was it. Nothing more, nothing less. Just that. The very next night, I dreamed that I had a copper box, almost like the one that I had made and given to my brother the previous Christmas, with which he was so thrilled to get. It was something he could really use, keeping his little odds and ends in, comb, nail clippers, calling cards, etc., and close to him. He told me it was his favorite present. Anyways, I dreamt I opened this box, and there was a picture of my brother in the box. The picture was wrapped in this almost clear, white, shiny material, which made it look like he had wings in the picture. And he was standing, staring ahead, almost like he was in the sky, with the blue sky in the background and clouds. And I looked at the picture and said out loud, Is that it? Is that all there is? 
And then I heard my brother say my name, and I'm standing. And that's all there was to the dream. I woke up. I know he visited me while I was asleep and came to me in a dream. And I don't wonder if it was just a dream. I know it was him. I know he is fine, and I believe my brother is walking and standing again. I just wanted to share the story in hopes that it will help someone else who has lost someone and, and is feeling the pain of that loss because you just don't know when they may show up or, or to let you know, hey, I'm okay. Yeah, those are by far my favorite stories. I think that I, I wish everybody that, that was grieving a loss could have that experience. I really do because it's, it's a beautiful thing to have that affirmation, to have that contact and to know that the love doesn't die. I mean, surely we all have faith. We all have belief in something else after this, but to meet the, the loved one, even if it's just a dream. And that seems to be where I meet him. I don't know. You know, I meet these loved ones that have passed in dreams that's how I guess they choose to come to me, and that's perfect. They're some of the most beautiful dreams, and I wake up usually just tears coming down my eyes, and, and it's but but this warm, loving feeling. Now I've had other kind of uh, contact with people that have passed. I shared a story about when our family friend Bud had died, and the man who told me you know about being kind, and the reason that I close every show with that saying. After he passed, I went outside and, you know, it was winter, the end of winter. It was really cold on the lakefront. And I went outside and cried. I just got it out. And as I was standing out there, this warm wind just circled me. It was like standing in a, in a hairdryer. It was the most amazing feeling. But to have that connection was incredible. But I think the dreams are very, very powerful. And it's an opportunity for us to have such an important part of that closure and that's just to know that they're okay. I think the hardest, one of the hardest things about losing someone you love is not knowing. Not knowing what's next. I mean, again, we have faith. We have an idea. We have a hope. But to know is so healing. And for me, that's, that's what the experience was. In fact, when my grandmother appeared before me, she said, I just want you to know I'm okay. And I want you to tell everyone else I'm okay. I'm wonderful. Everything is wonderful. And, and I was so perfect. Now, the beautiful thing was my grandmother had a faith, but, that, but it was more of a practice. It was more of a, a family trait than a, than a passion. She was not really an organized religion person, but she aligned herself with organized religion in that she was Lutheran. That's what she was. But she had never, you know, regularly attended church or any kind of functions of the church. So, you know, I guess in the back of our minds, you wonder, are they okay? You know, and the, and the idea of, of religion, there's this uh, idea or mandate that certain, certain hoops have to be jumped through. And if they aren't, is that a problem? And so you wonder. But then when she appeared, it was like, no, she's fine. She was just fine. And that's, that was about the most beautiful thing that I could have received from her. So I think that I really wish, I really wish, you know, if I was in charge of all this, 
I would, uh, that would be the deal. Everybody that's lost someone would have that meeting and, and have that, that moment to know. Maybe we all do. And we just, uh, some people don't remember their dreams. I'm one of them that usually doesn't. So the fact that I do remember those is really powerful for me as well. But, you know, maybe they do come to us in different ways. Like, you know, I've heard like, uh, you know, songs at the right, perfect time, you know, can be a real powerful message. Um, it smells. Sometimes it's a smell out of nowhere, just a familiar smell of that person. And I think those are all ways that they communicate with us. So I just think that's really important and powerful. <clears throat> We're going to go to Illinois now and see what's going on there. And this has to do with apparitions, voices, and touches. Find out what's going on in Illinois. This story happened just yesterday. Uh, it's not my own experience. Rather, my father-in-law was the one to see the apparition. And he relayed his, his experience to us last night. The city is one of Chicago's southwest suburbs, about an hour's drive from downtown Chicago. And my father-in-law, I'll call him Jerry to protect his identity, was helping a friend of mine renovate a home. The home and the subdivision it is in are fairly new. Less than a year old, I believe, and however, this particular home was in disarray as a result of the former owners who defaulted on the mortgage. Well, Jerry was alone in this house yesterday doing some painting. and At the time he was painting the house's high walls, using a long-handle accessory, he was working hard to reach the top of the walls without marking the ceiling, and all of a sudden, Jerry saw some movements out of the corner of his eye. He took a look, and he saw a white male staring at him. He couldn't see any further details as the apparition just vanished quickly. His response to the sighting was to yell out something to the effect of, Don't mind me, I'm just here to paint. This is... Uh, his first experience, and he continued to work until my friend showed up to drive him home. He didn't say anything to my friend or his wife so as not to alarm them. However, from what I understand, they have, they've had a couple of strange things already happen. But because this subdivision is new, I can only assume something happened in the home during the previous owner's stay or the home is built on the site of a previous house. That's pretty wild. You know, the land has a memory, too. Homes are built on land. And so, and again, it could be something in the house that was brought in. Could be a cabinet door that was installed in a, in a home that has some kind of attachment that was brought in. Could be the land, something happened there. Could be any number of things. Could be just a spirit found that place comfortable and decided that that was where it was going to be. Maybe it's familiar to the spirit from its lifetime. There's lots of ways to get a haunting so, um, yeah, I don't know. That's pretty, pretty cool though. I think this guy handled it really well. It's okay. I'm just here painting, you know, don't, don't freak out. There's no reason to go wacky with it. It's not like it was chucking things at him. It just showed up, just said, I'm here. So I think that person handled it really well. That's a, a brilliant, you know, way to address it. You acknowledge it. And I think that the acknowledgement itself is powerful. Because I, I can only imagine these spirits want to be acknowledged. But um, just to say, hey, I see you. I'm here. Just going to get some stuff done. 
Don't mind me. Because I think you treat them just like you would, uh, uh, you know, anyone else that you'd meet in a home. You know, with respect. I think if you treat spirits with respect, that'll be reciprocated for the most part. I mean, there are crabby spirits that don't want anybody around ever. But there's people like that too. They just don't like other people. They don't want other people around. And so sometimes there's spirits like that too. But I think for the most part, you know, spirits are very that, that are formerly people formerly people, I think that they don't want trouble because most people don't want trouble. They just want to do their thing and for the most part be left alone. So it's quite an interesting uh, thing, but I think to address it with respect and, you know, decency, it can give you a hell of a lot of mileage, I think. All right. The next one, it has to do with, uh, it's coming from Oklahoma. It has to do with Ouija boards. It says, my name is Darren and I'm from Tulsa. And uh, I'm 40 years old and have held a fascination with the occult since a very early age. I've had many bizarre experiences with Ouija boards, and I'm writing this as a warning to people that bad things can happen because of these portals. Put in quotes, portals. Parker Brothers don't care if a demon possesses you or if you come under some type of attack from something you know nothing about. The majority of people in the United States hold a skeptical view regarding the scientific evidence of spirits or ghosts, and many people who believe in these things also believe that it is for this very reason that ghosts and poltergeists occur here and exist under the radar, so to speak. These Ouija boards are manufactured under the precept that they are mere toys. Let me tell you firsthand, they are not toys and should be used with strict caution, and probably should not be messed with at all. Other countries take a more open-minded view of spirits, demons, and ghosts, and many, many cultures have based the entire religions from these beliefs. During my experiences with Ouija boards, one particular spirit always seemed compelled to make its presence known. And if you're familiar with Ouija boards, you'll know this this spirit name, and it's the name is Zozo, Z-O-Z-O. -Z -O. Today I refuse to even pronounce its name, as I believe the mere pronunciation of it can cause it to manifest itself. Too many times to count, it is at first pretended to be a nice spirit, or pretended to be whomever I was trying to contact, but eventually it showed its true self. Cussing me, threatening me, and others present in the room, and once it actually cussed me using what looked like Latin or Hebrew and using biblical terminology. I was genuinely fascinated and startled by how many times this being showed up. Even in many different states and many different Ouija boards, it always wound up being very nasty and commented freely about how it wanted to possess my girlfriends and take them to paradise. When asked where paradise was, it spelled hell. One time after Zozo was being extremely evil, I walked into my bathroom only to see my one-year-old daughter about to drown. Her mother had left her alone in the tub just for a second, and somehow the water got turned on and was overflowing. Instinctively, she had her face tilted up and was seconds from going under when I grabbed her from the water. 
The next day she was hospitalized for some weird internal infection and was put in isolation for 14 days straight as doctors tried to diagnose the illness. We almost lost her. And that was when I began to suspect demonic attack. At this same time, my girlfriend maintained a trance-like state. Her personality changed from a very sweet person to withdrawn and uncaring. Zozo said before this that he was going to possess her and eat her soul. I was recording music for a future rock project, and I remember jokingly asking if it had an opinion on what I should name the band. It spelled Iron Tongue, which at the time I thought was pretty cool. Only later, when my daughter's tongue swelled up in the hospital to the point of asphyxiation, I realized this wasn't cool at all. Her tongue became rock hard and distorted her face, swelling up to where it hung grotesquely from her mouth. We took turns at the bedside hospital for what seemed like forever before my daughter finally began to recover from the strange affliction. When guests would spend the night in our house, they would claim they heard frightening voices coming from inside the walls. Objects would be thrown across the room. Spiders seemed to come from nowhere. They always do, though. My girlfriend's brother, who lived with us, complained he couldn't sleep at night because of the conversations were so loud he simply could not rest. He believed in ghosts and thought he wasn't afraid of them, and he said that it definitely felt demonic. Lights would come off and on by themselves. Doors would open and unlock by themselves. One night in our bedroom, a vicious laughter emanated from thin air, and to this day, I cannot explain the terror in that laughter. One night I was awakened by what felt like hands on my throat, choking me, and I could not breathe. I could not scream. After about 30 seconds, it released its grip, and I gasped for air. The same thing happened to my girlfriend the next night. Another night, me and her brother were standing just outside the back porch, sliding glass door when we were talking about a supposed curse of their family. I abruptly exclaimed, I rebuke this cursed curse in the name of Jesus Christ. I no longer finished saying those exact words when a deafening sound and a vibration struck the entire house with such an alarming boom that the neighbors came over to ask if we had heard something strange. I knew it wasn't our imaginations. I got out the ladder to see what had landed on top of the house, only to find nothing. Things settled down after that, and to this day, I believe that whatever made that noise also caused the disturbance to go away for a while. My girlfriend broke up with me, and I met someone online in Michigan where I moved to be with her, and she didn't believe in spirits. And although I knew better, I decided to make her a believer as well. Living in a very small town in Marshall, Michigan, there were no stories that stores that sold Ouija boards, so I downloaded one from the internet, printed it out, and to my horror, Zozo returned, of course. It said it came from cyberspace. And when I asked it where it lived, it spelled Skull Nicholas. 
I didn't think much of this until I asked it again where it was, and this time it spelled mirror. There was only one mirror in the bedroom where we were crouched on the floor, and I heard a scream coming from her seven-year-old niece who was watching us with another young friend. We looked up at the mirror and saw the skull necklace swaying back and forth with glowing eyes looking down at us. My new girlfriend's son had dug the necklace on one of the posts of the waterbed hours before I downloaded the paperboard. Oh, he had hung the necklace. I don't know where I got dug from. Sorry. We almost jumped out of our skin, and although three feet of fresh snow had fallen that night, we found ourselves in the front yard not knowing what to do, scared and frozen in terror. My girl was, girlfriend was so fascinated, she drove 40 miles to purchase a new glow-in-the-dark Ouija board. Oh, God. And much to my dismay, the next night we had another session. In the same room, Zozo immediately came forth, and even without me being a participant, my girlfriend's nieces were using the planchette, and I would secretly write down a color onto a small piece of paper and then crumple it up where no one could see. I asked the young girls to ask the board if it knew which color I had written down. It quickly scooted to yes and blue. I remember chills coursing up and down my spine as I threw the wadded-up paper to my girlfriend. Her eyes widened as she read the written color, blue. We then tried the same thing with shapes and words, and every time the board knew. One night we asked the board if the spirit would show itself, and it spelled Yes, and told me to turn out the lights and take a picture of the necklace above the board. I did just that, and what turned out is eerie to say the least. On the upper left-hand corner of the picture, you can plainly see winged skeletons flying about, and they're of the exact same weird shape of this skateboarder skeleton necklace. Towards the middle, you can make out hideous faces, I've seen at least four evil faces in this picture. I took this picture about six years ago. People have stolen it off of the paranormal websites claiming they took it. When I, tru I know truthfully it was me, I've sent this picture to several experts, and all they've really said is they can't explain the images inside. As if all of this wasn't strange enough, now comes the really scary part. A few months ago, I googled the word Zozo, and to my shock... Many other people have also been contacted by the demon by the same name. I read about 20 similar stories and I'm now convinced this simply cannot be a mere coincidence. Supposedly Zozo is an ancient demon name which stands for the Destroyer. Claims of demonic possession are associated with Zozo and I feel it's my duty to warn people to steer clear from this. If it happens to present itself during a session... I'm currently researching these phenomena for a future book. I'm in the initial stages of presenting my findings to a reputable demonologist who's been involved in hundreds of cases of paranormal activity across the world, including a haunting in Connecticut. Oh, must have been Lorraine Warren. Huh. What is this, Zozo? Supposedly the three-headed dog demon which guards the gates of hell has a tattoo on its forehead that spells Z-O-S-O. -S -O. 
Also, Z-O-Z-O is a term Alistair Crowley claimed meant 666. Jimmy Page of the rock group Led Zeppelin also used the symbol of the Led Zeppelin 4 album. Could Zozo or Zoso be connected somehow? How can so many different people from so many different parts of the world somehow lie about this Zozo spirit? And if they aren't lying, then how can you explain these visitations by this wicked entity? Is Zozo the, the devil himself? Or a wayward demon who has the power to manifest itself wherever and whenever it is called? Heed my warnings, people, if you're playing around with a Ouija board and you jokingly ask if it has a name and it spells Z-O-Z-O, close the session properly, cleanse the house, never, I repeat, never ask it again. And if you're brave enough to carry on conversations with this spirit, do not antagonize it or act on its directions. I know what I've seen and I know other people have also come into contact with this spirit. It is dangerous beyond words, and I realize not every session results in negativity, but when you play with this Zozo, you are playing with fire. Everything I've described here is true, and I'm not exaggerating even one little bit. It may take me years, but I do intend on writing a book about this, as I have many more stories that I don't have time to mention here. They all stem from true events that took place while talking, to this Zozo. Folks, I've been told by people wiser than myself that the spirit world is more real than this world of so-called reality. Ouija boards can cause many bad things to happen in your life. Maintain an open mind and most of all, be careful. I will say that I think that's our show for tonight. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us here on tonight's show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please feel free to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Paranormal Portal Radio, as well as finding us on Twitter. We're on Twitter at Paranormal Portal, P-O-R-T-L. And uh, we'd love to have you stop by our YouTube page and subscribe and check out our shows there. we got hundreds of shows in our, uh, our, our vault of <laughs> journeys into the Paranormal Portal. So I hope you'll check it, check it out, guys. We're over there at youtube.com slash Paranormal Portal. So hope to see you guys soon. Uh, we'll be back, of course, for more podcasts in the coming days. So uh, stay tuned. But we love you all. Be good, be kind, be nice. Take care of each other. Help each other out. Find the magic in every day and remember to laugh as much as you can. Take care, everybody.